Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero here, and you're listening to my Tour Coach Podcast. Tour Coach Podcasts come from my stories, the interviews, my roundtable discussions, the day-to-day interaction with the people that I teach in my journey in the game of golf, whether it's tour players that I teach or tour players that have fired me or, heck, it's other teachers that I think the world of and respect or it's mental coaches, performance coaches, or, hey, maybe it's just people that have made an indelible mark on my teaching. Whatever it is, I hope this helps you learn more about the playing, the teaching, or enjoying the great game of golf. I sure as heck have fun doing this. I hope you all enjoy listening to it. We've got great sponsors. We've always got great guests. And one thing that we for sure do here on the Tour Coach is we keep it real. None of this is scripted. This is just authentic. This is the discussions and the day-to-day interactions that we have as the dew sweepers and teaching and trying to help all of you play better golf. And look, if you enjoy our instruction and you're somebody wanting to get better, why don't you come see us and get help for your game with our world-famous retreats, which are going to be at Old Palm Golf Club in Palm Beach Gardens with my good friends Mark Hackett, Dan Terleski, Colby Tuyeg, Dr. Greg Carton, and, and a host of many, many more. Or you can come see me at uh, my studio in Mobile, Alabama, or at the Preserve Golf Club. And remember, everything you need to play better golf is always going to be available for you at DoSweepersGolf.com. You can find out where I am and how to be on a podcast if you go there. Enjoy this edition of The Tour Coach. Welcome into the Tour Coach. Joining me now here, sitting on the tee here of the Tour Coach, is my good friend Josh Gregory. The idea for doing I've been wanting to do this, Josh, for a while, and then just happened to run into you walking with you down there at Sanderson Farms. You obviously walked a little better than me. Your guy played amazing. won the tournament but uh wanted to talk wanted to bring you on we get so many like it's amazing to me from doing this when i quit doing the radio started doing this like how many teachers listen to this damn thing and how many uh well i mean you know i'm old who the hell is gonna listen to me ramble for 30 minutes but you know it's teachers and like people that are want to be really good players I want to first talk about like your journey to getting to where you are. And before we started this, you talked about your passion a little bit for juniors because that's something I really want to do is bring you in because it's my passion too. In fact, first time I was around you was I think at that tournament in Mexico. You had your college team down there. I was down there oh, following yeah. Bob Wyatt and Robbie Shelton. And, you know, so I have the same passion. Love teach. I'd rather right. teach those probably than tour players and want to get you down. Talk about your journey through the college ranks to where you are now, and we'll just kind of go from there. Well, first of all, I appreciate you having, having me on. I, I love doing this, and thanks for the friendship and support and all those, all those good things. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, that's that's where my, my roots come from. Uh, you know, played college golf at SMU and tried to play professionally a little bit and realized after two years uh, the, that I wasn't quite good enough. As, as I always said, I believed I was half as good as I really was, and, I try to get my players to believe they're twice as good as they really are. So usually you don't have to get tour players to, to believe they're twice as good as they really are. But that, that's that's the reason their name's on the back. But anyway, I um, the only thing I knew I wanted to do was coach, and, and I thought that was I thought I could do it. I thought, man, what a, what a cool job! And didn't sure didn't know what it entailed as far as being a college golf coach. I just thought that that would be something that I could that I could that I could be good at or, or truly enjoy. And, was very fortunate. I spent uh, two years at, at NC State working under the great uh, Richard Sykes, who just passed away this past week, uh, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately. But he he was my mentor in, in coaching. He taught me everything about how to treat people. and gave me so many life lessons. And as he told me uh, one of my first days on the job, he said, look, Josh, he said, there's, there's nothing better in this world than to be called coach. 
when a kid picks up the phone 20 years later and says, Hey coach, how are you doing? And I've, I've lived by those, those words. And he said, look, if you, if you put your players first, you take care, you take care of them. You do everything in the world to make their job easy. All they got to do is swing a club. And that's what I've tried to live by, whether that's a coach at the collegiate level, or whether that's now working with some of the best players in the world And the same theory applies. So, was fortunate enough to coach uh, 12 years as a head coach, nine years at Augusta State, where we were fortunate enough to win back-to-back national championships in 2010-11. Uh, Patrick, well, Reed, Patrick, Pat, Patrick Reed and Henrik Norlando were on my teams, and, and that was um, pretty amazing to be one of, one of the little guys beating, beating up on Oklahoma State and Georgia and, and that whole crowd. So that was uh, a dream come true. You, you, you dream of winning one, never, never two, and never back-to-back. So that was uh the highlight of my coach of my college coaching uh, career, and, and then went back to my alma mater at SMU and, and coached there for three years. And coach Bryce and Shambo and Austin Smotherman and Harry Higgs and, and, that, and that crowd and, and um, pretty good group, pretty darn good group. So we uh, we, we turned the program around pretty fast and, and had a chance to win the got beat by Alabama in the quarterfinals in my final year there and, and came close to win another national championship. So. After that, decided to, to to go out, you know, went out on my own and, and said, "Hey, I want to see if I can do can do this." And you know, things didn't necessarily end at SMU the way I wanted them to end. And but you know what, I I learned a great lesson from that and basically said, "Look, you know, I, you can't take away my passion and my ability to hopefully make to make players better and make a difference." And I sure didn't know I would wind up doing this today, helping you know some of the best players in the world. But as we've talked about, it's still the same. You know, guys, the, the the best want to be coached, and and the best want to be led in the right direction. And I've taken the same um, kind of same model and same theories that I had in college coaching, and and obviously learned a lot. But it's still, you know, love the kids first, coach them second, and that's where um, the career's kind of taken off. Yeah, I love that, and and you know, especially the part about nothing better than being called coach because I, you know, it, that really. That was that was important what you said there, and I mean it is. I still like you know all these kids that you know they're coming to work with us, and the first thing you know they they you know they call you coach, and uh, you know I remember you know when we were doing stuff at Frederica, we'd bust these kids in because you know not there aren't that many kids living <laughs> at Frederica. <laughs> no, so we'd bust them and we'd bring caravan of kids, and I remember Bill Harmon said to me once like, man, that was neat watching all those kids come off off the bus or the van and and hug you. You know, yeah. and glad they're there. And uh, as you know, like it's it's just so fun watching like these guys you've watched grow up. Like going to Tom Lovelady's wedding last week, watching him from the stuff that happened to him play, and then playing college golf and pro, and then get married. It's like it's it's so different than what people think. Like to me, the personal connection is so important, and it's so much more to me important than X's and O's, like oh, the information. It's everything. I think we're we're both relationship driven people, and and you know I've coached a lot of players, and and, and relationship is, is first. If the relationship's not there, it's just it's just not going to work. And you know I'm uh, I'm sure I'm sure not that smart, and I've tried, but I've tried to figure out that look, there's a, there's a certain type of player that I, that I can work with and that I can have success with, and it's it's not for everybody. But that's you know I, I don't do very well with very independent, very um, candidly kind of non-needy players. I like to be needed. I like to be wanted. I, I, I like to be called coach, and that works really well for me. I don't, I don't, I'm not very good at the business side of things, but I love to coach, and I love the relationships, and that's, uh, you know, it's probably a little bit of addiction, as as uh, as, as we both oh, yeah. know. It's, it's 24-7 if, if you want to be good at this job, and, and it's something that, uh, you know, we, we make a lot of sacrifices and sometimes put ahead of our family and all those other things, but it's, uh, 
there, there's no no greater reward than that thank you or that hug or that nice note or whatever when when a kid or a tour player or whatever has success and it doesn't even mean wins that just means you know get, getting better and right. that's uh, that's why we do this and you know it's it's nice to be recognized for success it's not it's obviously it's a it's a it can be a, it can be a really cool way to, way to live but those notes and those those hugs and those thank yous are what it, what it's all about so when we were walking down i think it was like six or seven at, at uh yeah, up there at sanderson you talked about how you you were simple right you were simple when it, we were talking about some different teaching and and I'm obviously very simple, and sometimes, like, I get criticized for being too simple. What are your thoughts? That's a compliment, by the way. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, it's jealousy, right? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, so you've been around so many great players, coaching in college, I mean, the ones you listed, and, and, and out there on tour. How many of them that are the best really try to make it more complicated? I don't know that many that try to – I mean, I know there's a couple that – you know, you were around Bryson. I mean, maybe Bryson right. might be – outliers right but like the majority of really really great players that i've been around seem like they want stuff more simplified am i wrong on that no you're 100 percent correct and and look they they whether it's a high-end junior or a high-end college player or tour player i mean as always use the line these guys got their name on the back for a reason you know they, they didn't make it to the pga tour you know because of me my job is to help them identify kind of what what their dna is what makes them tick what makes them click, what makes them, you know, who they are and, and to keep them in, in those lanes. And, and it's, um, I've got so many, so many stories where we, we've all tried too hard as coaches to try to, to try to do too much, to try to, you know, whether it's proving our worth or whether it's just trying to, to make guys better that we, we, we actually wind up screwing things up. And so I've really tried to stay in my lane. You know, uh, Butch Harmon gave me great advice when I was a college coach and he says, you know, says, uh, Josh, you, you, to be good in this business, when you say something, you better say it with conviction. And if you don't know the answer, you, you better you better be okay with saying I don't know. Basically, you better know when to say something, when to shut up. And I've tried to live by that. And it, it's hard sometimes because we we want to help so badly and we want to make make a difference. And, and sometimes we're we're better off just just not saying a word. And you know, we've, I still I still struggle with this at times. I've been helping Will Zalatoris for about three years and. And, and really have seen, you know, the transformation from, from a kid to, that didn't have any status to being one of the best players in the world. And, you know, we had, a, we had a deal earlier this year, right before the Byron Nelson, right before he almost wins the PGA, where we, we spent three straight days in Dallas getting ready for the, for the Byron Nelson and getting ready for the PGA. And we, we spent three hours a day putting. Now, do you know how crazy that is to spend three hours a day putting? Do you know how bad that is for your back? How bad that is for your mental stability? I mean, what are you going to do in three hours? But we right. were trying. We were reinventing the wheel. We were. We were. He was. You know, did feel good about things. Although he was trending in the right direction, we just kept trying and trying and trying. And and sure enough, we, he goes to Byron Nelson. He probably has his worst putting week uh, in on in his PGA Tour career. It was about negative eight strokes game putting for two two rounds, and still only missed the cut by one shot. And he calls me on that that Saturday. Uh, after he missed the cut, and I was out watching my other guys play, and, and he could tell he was he was lost, and I felt bad because I did a bad job. And, I said, all right, well, just stop where you are, and I'm gonna head head to see head to see. You. And he he was practicing at the time. I said, all right, I'm I'm leaving here. I'm gonna come. I'll come. We're, we're gonna figure this out. So, first things, I, I get there and I apologize to him. I said, hey, that's on me. That's my fault. I, you you hired me to lead the way, and I had a bad job leading the way. We overtried. We we overdid things. We we got away from our blueprint for what always works. We pulled up some old old footage of the of the times he's putted the best. 
We simply showed, showed looked, looked at his posture, looked at his setup, recognized a couple things that were off. We putted for about 15 minutes, had a margarita, and we left. So that's what, to me, <laughs> was needed. <laughs> we literally putted for 15 minutes, had a margarita, and said, we're going to go get after it, and this is our, this is our blueprint for what we're going to do until, for, until, until proven otherwise. Well, since then, we haven't had a putting session over an hour since then. And that's, we've stuck to the same plan, the same routine. We identify the same things day in and day out. So that's just kind of proof of, of being simple that we all, we all want to learn. We all want to get better. We all want to try too hard. And that's why I was never any good. It never as good as I should have been as a player. I simply tried too hard. And I know that that's a, it, it sounds crazy because we always talk about working hard, working hard, working hard. Well, I'd rather see guys work effectively. Let's work effectively. There's a bit, there's a big difference between working hard and working effectively. And that's why I'm such a plan, you know, a, a as my label as a performance coach or whatever I'm labeled as, coach, teacher, performance coach, whatever. You got you got to think of something smart to say. So performance coach sound, sounded pretty cool. So anyway, <laughs> I um, it's my job is is to give these guys a plan. My job is to give these guys a plan, hold them accountable. Henrik Norlander told me this once. He's one of he's like a second son to me, and it was a brilliant brilliant quote. I really didn't think about it at the time, but it really hits home now. He said, Coach, he said, when I'm on tour and I and I'm playing and and I and I'm struggling. That's when I need you the least. And I'll go, what? That doesn't what? make any sense. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, that's when I need you the least. He goes, I'll figure it out. I'll dig it out of the dirt. I'll figure it out, and I'll, I know what makes it work for me. And, yeah, I need you, but I don't, I don't need you that much during those times. I need you when things are going really well. Because when things are going well, I need you to hold me accountable, make me do the boring stuff, the little stuff that I don't want to do. Because I wow. think I got it. Now, that's brilliant. If that you is really brilliant. think about that. That's for every damn level of player. Like yeah. everybody listening to you ought to understand, write that down. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's amazing, though, because when these guys are so good, they'll, they'll figure it out. And honestly, they don't want to listen to you talk when they're struggling. Give them something simple. Give them what you think is the best fix or the best way to get better and leave them alone. They'll dig it out of the dirt. When things are good, they need you. And you've got you to gotta hold them accountable to what makes them work. You've got to identify their DNA, much like on that putting green with, with Will Zalatoris. We identified where his grip was. We identified where the ball ball position was, where his setup was, and we and we had a margarita and we left. That was it. That that was what was needed that day. <laughs> and next thing you know, he goes 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 to the PGA and, and and almost wins, and then he almost wins the U.S. Open, wins at Memphis, and, and bam, bam, bam. Here, here here we go, and we're really really heading in the right direction. So there's just so many stories stories of that, and I think I shared with you a, a story of Adam Long, one of my other guys at Sea Island one one year and. He had um, he had finished uh, second the previous week at my Kobe led led the led the tour uh, led led that week in, in total ball striking which was pretty impressive for a guy that didn't hit it that far which is hard to do as you know with these stats they're very skewed t- toward distance so we're we're in Sea Island and the first day he shoots 73 plays poorly it's windy it's cold it's, it's whatever he's hitting flip hooks out there all day flip hooks all day. So we get get on get on the range afterwards, and he looks at me, and, and he says, uh, you know, hits hits his first ball and hits a little flip hook, and he goes, "What do you see?" And I didn't say a word. Hits another ball. What do you see? And each time, this tone's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I said, and I still didn't say a word. Finally, hits another hook out there, and he goes, "What do you what do you f and see?" And I <laughs> said, I said, "Bud, what do you see?" And he and he and he looked at me and he and he gave me this little you know shitty grin and looked at me like just you know shut up man because <laughs> I know what you're trying to say but he wanted a lesson the whole point is he wanted a, lo- a golf lesson at that point he didn't need a golf lesson 
he knows right. what 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 causes his what causes the the hang back flip hook. If if he doesn't know that, then we've done a very poor job at communicating. We've done right. a bad job in preparation. So he knew the fix. He wanted me to give him something else, and I wasn't going to give him something else. He knew how to, he knew he needed to feel a cut or he needed to cover it or whatever our feel was exactly that day. He knew what he needed to do, but it was hard in those times, as you say, to keep simple. We want to fix, we want to help, but you got to keep simple. Don't you think one of the hardest things is, is, you know, and I've been fired, (laughs) you know, I've kept my job for doing the wrong thing and I've been (laughs) fired for doing the right thing, right? Where like, (laughs) you know, there's times. There's times I know where I've known earlier on, like, I would say that was smiley. Like, there were times that, like, the real answer was, we don't need to search. Like, I don't need to come up with anything different, right? But I went ahead and I, you know, and I wasn't confident enough, like, in myself or hadn't been out there long enough or whatever the case. Hell, I don't know. Maybe I need money. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) Right? And, uh, you know, but, like, and, and. That wasn't the right thing. But then there's times down the road where, you know, a guy's like, oh, there's got to be something I need to open the face for. No, no, you don't. No, no you don't. The problem is, is you just haven't putted as good as you did this past year. It's not your ball striking. Or the problem is this and this going on, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and and then you stand your ground and you, but like, but it's hard. I think that's one of the tougher things in what we do. I think it's the hardest thing in what we do. And I think it's because we care so much, for yeah. one. I think if if we just viewed this as a business, I think it'd be a lot easier. But that's not right. who we are, and that's not who I am. And, and I and I am I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I get you know I, I'm living and dying on every shot out there. It's it's it's, it's led to some of my success as a, as a college coach now. I think that's why the, the the guys that I have love me as their coach is that they know I care. They know I'm just as into it as they are. Yeah, there's obviously a financial benefit to, to it, but that's really not that big of a motivator to me. Yeah. I mean, to see a guy like Mackenzie Hughes, who just got, you know, di- didn't get picked for the president's cup. And we just started working about three months ago and to see him really buy into some simplicity and buy into some changes that, that we made in, in, his, in his golf swing and his ball flight. And to see that pay off and to see his family run out on the green and to see, see him win, win the tournament in Jackson. That's why we do it. You know, he, he look, he, he, he could have, should have won the golf tournament, whether he ever met me or not, who knows? But at the same right. time, to be a small part of that and to give him a little bit of a plan and give him some, some information that is going to help him get better without using a, a, a ton of technology and, and fancy words and, and honestly maybe three or four videos. I mean, really not that much. Just simply, hey, man, you, you know, you're, you're, way, you're way under the plane. You're past way too far out to the right. You're hitting up on it way too much. Let's get some drivers off the deck. Show me if you can do that. And, and he couldn't do it at first. Well, he figured it out. Well, what does yeah. that do? That got his angle of attack better. That got his all those big fancy words better. It got it got his path better. Next thing you know, he, he's able to just actually start cutting the golf ball, which is what he said he wanted to do. Well, it, it wasn't rocket science. We, we threw we threw a pole out there in front of him, a, a alignment rod, and I said, "Cut it around this. Figure Come it on, out." That work. That stuff will <laughs> never work. Come on now. No way that'll never work. But 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 that's <laughs> these guys are really good and they're really simple and it, it amazes me. I mean we've talked a little bit about this. I mean I've been fortunate enough to help some of the best players in the world and, and I remember helping first I worked with Jason Kokrak for about a year year and a half and, and, and yeah. that was a year he made, he kinda of broke through and made it to the to the tour championship and, and, and obviously had won it won a few times since then and, and I remember showing him some shots around the greens and, and, you know, showing him a little, like a little draw bump shot to when, when you're kind of chipping it through the, 
through the Bermuda grass uh, and chase it up to the green, how you need to feel like it's a little bit more of a draw so it doesn't have as much backspin on it so it doesn't it doesn't just grab into the Bermuda. And, and he looked at me and he goes, how do you know this? And I'm thinking, well, how do you not know this? <laughs> You're one of the best players in the world. But <laughs> just, these guys hit it so dang good and they're so talented and they just do all the things that you and I could never dream of. But you show them these little things, these little old school nuggets, this little old school shot or something that – that can just save them. It may be one shot a year. Who knows? Who knows what it may be? But that is that to me is the difference of them, them becoming, uh, you know, a nice PGA Tour player to, to one of the best in the world. You know, helping showing Mackenzie Hughes how to how to hit a driver off the deck. You know, without without giving them a whole lot of information, just saying, hey man, what would you have to do if you had to hit this off the deck? Well, I better get Steve on it. I better learn to cut it. Well, okay, yeah, well, do it. And that's there's our plan. I mean, he and I talked right before we went to Japan. I said, look, we're we're still on the overdoing side of things. We've got to still overcut, overcut, overcut. You know, we're training at, you know, I don't use a whole lot of, a lot of numbers. It sounds like I do, but I don't. You know, on, on track man terms, we're training at negative five, negative six, path left to try to produce close to zero on the golf course. Yeah, because I'm trying to do. Don't do that. <laughs> you're going to go, you're going to go back to your tendencies. It's not ingrained right. enough. You know, you made a million reps kind of, in a, in a, I, would, I don't even like to say the wrong way, but in a different way. So we got to make a million to catch up. So until we, I think that's the the biggest thing that 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 I can try to get. You know, I wish I had over, I wish I had done this or when I played it. You can't be afraid to overdo things in training right. and practice, regardless of whether that's full swing, chipping, putting, overdo, overdo, overdo the feels because to change something an inch, you've got to feel like you're you're changing it at a mile, and it, that's just something that that builds trust when you get out there on the golf course, because if we just incrementally do it, it's not going to work when we get out there. So it's, um, you know, that's where the, the performance stuff comes in, you know, getting guys to do trust, trust drills, getting guys to compete, you know, standing up. One of my favorite drills is standing up, you know, with guys, if, if they're, you know, trying to cut, trying to learn to cut it or trying to draw it or whatever the heck they're working on the golf swing is to, is, is to simply like a hole at 18 at Sawgrass. I can't wait to take McKenzie there this this uh, this spring and see where he is in his game. And we're going to stand there in the practice round, and I'm going to make him cut it off the water. Now, he may never hit that shot in, in tournament, but we've got to learn to do that in practice so, therefore, it can transfer over, over to, to competition. That will be the true sign to take your technical fields and be able to actually incorporate them on the golf course and take them into trust drills. You know, you said something else. We were talking about some players, but you were talking about, you know, I thought it was interesting the way you were like analyzing the short game of a really good player and about how you got to be careful. Sometimes you put stuff in there that doesn't affect their full swing and so forth and understanding, like, I thought that was brilliant because, like, you have to understand, like, the player. Like, if the player's a great ball striker, they don't have to become sevy. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I thought that was really good because I see, you know, I see folks that are, you know, that like college kids and they, you know, they're great. They're really good ball strikers. And man, and then they go and, and they'll, they'll, oh, I got to get way better short game. And they go to somebody that puts in all this crazy stuff. I'm not saying it's fundamentally wrong. Right. I'm just saying right. it doesn't match what they do. Right. And then, it, and, you know, and not understand, like, you made the point. Like, I mean, you only got to get up and down. Two times pound, right? <laughs> At that level, yes. Yeah. You don't need, right. You know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Yeah. Well, I thought that was fascinating, though. Well, if you look at it, I mean, as as, as a coach, whether, you know, about of my, you know, seven, guy, eight guys that I, that I coach on tour, I say all of them, I, I, I work on short game and putting and performance and practice, wedging, all that stuff. 
of the scoring aspect, about half of them I, I work with their with their full swing. So whatever, our, our job is to make uh, – it's what a coach does. A coach makes somebody better. When people say, what do you do? I say, well, I, I try to make guys better. That, that, that's my job description. But I try to match up – you know, most of the time it's, it's guys coming to me for some short game help, and I try to match up what they do great in their full swing with, with their pitching. Pitching, chipping, bunker, et cetera. Because ultimately, at the, at the end of the day, short game is a defense mechanism. Short game is something when, when, you're, when we're not hitting it well, we need to have the ability to get, get the base sequence up and down so, therefore, we can hang in there, go to the range, figure it out, and, and go hit it better the next day. It's also, you know, it can be a little bit of offense as well. When we're, when we're hitting it great, well, that's, that short game can even showcase how good we're hitting it, and then that, those are the days we shoot 60, 64, 65. So, you know, when I'm working with, with a player, 99% of my short game stuff is working on basic pitching. I don't care about getting the Harpins up and down. I care about getting the momentum keepers up and down, getting the ones from five yards off the green to a basic hole location, the little, the little medium spinners, as I call them, or, or the little low running shots, getting the basic ones up and down because those are the ones that are going to keep you in it. The hard ones, you hit the 10 or 12 feet and you try to make a putt and you, and you move on, but I don't really care about those. Basic pitching Basic chipping requires sound technique. Hard chips require guts, feel, imagination, a little bit of luck, all those things. So when working with a player, I mean, you know, a couple examples of that. I mean, McKenzie Hughes right off the top of my head. I mean, we're building his full swing off of his chipping motion, mm-hmm. which is kind of the opposite. He's a very wide, very pivoting with his chipping. He's got probably the best basic chipper in the world. It's, it's incredible at how good he is around the greens on just basic, simple shots. He uses his core, he, very little hands, very pivot-oriented, and is an amazing chipper. Well, he doesn't really do that in his golf swing. So that we're trying to build his golf swing off after what he does great. Kind of the opposite of that, of that would be would be Victor Hoblin. I've helped Victor off and on with, with his short game, and, and he's one of the best ball strikers in the world. He's got an extremely strong club face. Super rotational, holds it off, beautiful. Just hits, you know, just bullets out there. Well, as always, it's been it's been well noted that he's he's struggled in a short game. Obviously, a, a strong club face is not the not the ideal matchup for uh, you know somebody with an elite elite short game. I mean, you look at you look at Patrick Reed, open face, a little bit of cupped at the top, a lot of hands, amazing around the greens. Never been regarded as one of the you know as as the best ball striker, but obviously very very good when he's on. But right. that's not the best matchup for being a great ball striker. Most great ball strikers have strong club faces and, and, and fast bodies, and they rotate. So with Victor, he had tried to do some things, with, you know, whether it's on his own or with some other help, of trying to really open the, open the club face in the backswing, really learn to use the bounce, throw the club head through impact, all these things that were not wrong. They're 100% textbook by the book if you were just teaching a model short game, but they were a bad matchup for what he does really well. Look, this guy, as I said, this guy's one of the best ball strikers in the world. At most, he's going to chip it two to three times a day. So why are we trying to build something that might actually creep into his full swing and start affecting the way he hits the golf ball? So, you know, my advice to him was we, we simply tried to pattern it off of what he does really well in his full swing. We got his weight a little bit more left. We, we, we didn't really, we played around with the club face at address, opened it up more to address, knowing that he's going to shut it in the backswing, but I didn't really care. Learning to chip with his pivot, learning to match up his, you know, the way he releases, the way he moves through impact in the full swing with what he does in his chipping motion to try to move the low point forward. Didn't worry about his club face. Didn't worry about those things. So, again, just trying to make solid contact, get some confidence, get some trust, and then build from there. Over time, if if we 
if we continue to work or whatever, yeah, we'll, we'll add some, we'll add some more shots. We'll probably add a little bit of release to the club face, but at the same time, he doesn't have to be an elite chipper. He just has to be solid. Right. That's, you know, I, I always used to say that with Lucas Glover, yeah. you know, the five years we were together, like, man, like, you know, and, you know, our goal, I thought, like, in, when he made the Tour Championship in 19, my goal going that year was to make him better around the, you know, get better up and down, you know, scrambling. And, and it, you know, going into the playoffs, he was in the top ten, which I thought was phenomenal, right? It's amazing, you know? yeah. And all we did was get his weight forward, and we had this drill we would do where he rolled the spikes on his right shoe off the ground, and he just tried to leave them off the ground going through the ball, right? Love it. And, Love it. You know, but it was like my thought was the same thing, like, it, you know, and I always felt like the momentum killers are those easy ones that they don't get up and down. Like those ones right in front of the green where they just miss hit it, and it's like a 25-foot, 30-foot chip, and they hit it to five feet instead of where you just tap it in. You know, like and, and my, like just get good because they're so good if you get the low point in the right place and he's got a great pivot. Like, man, like just get those basic ones up and down because, like, you're a good ball player. You're not going to hit it in that many shitty spots. No. You, you better you better not. <laughs> right. Uh, then, then you fire your caddy and your coach. Correct. Uh, if, you, if you start doing that. But, but no, it, it, it's just not uh, – again, I, I do a, a ton of games, a ton of drills. That we, I call them kick-in games, footage games, to where I always say the, the best pitchers in the world, they chip the basic ones to, to tap in. So they can go tap it in. They go drink water on the side of the green. They chill out before the, before the next hole. They chip the, the medium ones to – four to six feet, which gives them, you know, an 80, 85% chance of making, making that putt. Then they chip the hard ones to, to eight to 12 feet, which gives them, you know, 40 to 50% chance of making the putt. That's what they do. They don't chip the basic ones to, to five, six feet. They just put, take stress off the game. And that's, you know, my number, my, my number one job when it, when it's working around the greens is to build a technique, build a, a sound enough system to where they can get the basic ones up and down. If you look at you know look at uh, Will Zalatoris, one of the freak ball striker, right? Maybe maybe yeah. maybe maybe the best, arguably the, the the best in the world. You know, there, there's two or three things we've identified in his game that are going to help him become the best player in the world. Obviously, we we, we continue to work on putting. Make, you know, making those four to six foot putts are extremely important, which he's he's gotten really good at. That that's very stats can be mm-hmm. very deceiving. If, if uh, yeah, he obviously gets criticized for for his putting, and, and sometimes it doesn't look real pretty. We, we, we know that, but it goes but in it, the hole. It goes in, and, and if if you if they kept stats, if stats on the PGA Tour counted all the majors last year, he would have been a he would have been a top fifty putter on the PGA Tour. So uh, stats can be very very deceiving. So it, it may not look pretty, but as he said at the, at the Masters one year last year, he said if anybody wants to go to that putting green and putt, we can, we we can go do that if you, if y'all like. So he's uh, he, he's not afraid, and it's nope. getting better. And but you know we've identified you know the basic chipping. He's a guy that hits it freakishly good. Well, he's gonna and he play, and he plays terribly smart. He's one of the smartest golfers I've ever been around. Almost plays. I don't like to use the word conservative because that's not the case. But you know, I'm trying to learn to to get him to put the pedal down a little a little bit more when he plays. Get it, get his wedge proximity a little a little bit closer. But you know what? That's why he. But again, as a coach, I've got to be careful with that because that's what makes him play so well in big time golf tournaments in major championships because he plays so smart. So to get him to play the Byron Nelson. You know, recklessly and carefree and whatever, that's going to hurt his performance in the long term in, in big time events. And he's told right. me from day one, I want to win major championships. That's my goal. The, yeah. the, the rest will probably, fall into play. I, I, probably not the guy going to win out in the desert, right? Where it's just blowing it at every, right? Like, I mean, that's not his game. You take it. It's not his game. Now, 
he's going to be in that all the whole way. It's crazy. I was watching him play um, Victor Hovland this year in the match play in, in, at, at Austin, and and he, he gave him the first hole, and he's got about 100 yards in, and he hits his flags back left, and you can't miss it. A foot left his flag. It runs off the green. And sure enough, he hit it right at the flag, about a foot left, a foot left of it. It spins off the green. And I was literally in shock because I haven't seen him make that kind of mistake in three years. Right. I was, I was like, yeah. what, what is this kid doing? <laughs> Has he yeah. lost yeah. it? No, but, but in all that's how, you know, you see that every day out there. But from this yeah. young man, I never saw that. I just never yeah. see him beat himself. He never gives holes away. He never gives, you know, bogeys away. He just, if he makes, if he, Drives it out of play. He finds a way to get it back in play, and he makes both and moves on. He just and that's why he's so good, you know, in, in major championships and in big boy golf terms. And that's why we're working on the little things, working on his distance wedging, working on his basic up and downs. If you look at his his chipping technique over the past couple of years, it's been to- totally changed. He used to be a big leaner and hinger, and now he's wide to wide, basically just to get the easy ones up and down. Uh, it's bunker play, working on basic bunker shots because he's going to miss it in the right spots. Yeah. For sure. Josh, this has been awesome. First of all, you've done a hell of a job with all those guys. And it's it's been fun to watch your journey from when when I saw you and met you in college to now. And uh, it's been fun to be able to walk along with you and, and chat with you. And, and this was some great stuff. This was great info. I learned as much as anybody. Keep up all the great stuff, and I'll look forward to walking with you soon. Sounds good, buddy. I appreciate you. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll keep trying to make people better. We'll do it. All right, Coach. Take care, buddy. Thanks, bud. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines, for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube, as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.